Shalom, everyone. This is Zion Hebraic Congregation with me, Luke Tanner. Today's Shabbat message is from the book of Haggai by me. And if you'd like, feel free to check us out on our website, zionhebraiccongregation.com. And you'll also see there links to our social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Enjoy. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does lie only away. For soon is the day when we see your face on the mount of your grace and Okay, Shabbat Shalom, everybody. We are going to be in Haggai, Haggai, as it's traditionally pronounced. But it, uh, it's Haggai. Haggai was a prophet after the return of the exiles from Babylon. They're back in the land. Zerubbabel is the governor. Joshua, or Yeshua, is the high priest. And they are beginning to, or, well, as we're going to read, they were supposed to be rebuilding the temple, and they weren't. Um, And there were certain consequences because of that. Um, But what I find interesting, as we're going to get into here, is... The fact that here you have the return of the exiles, right? Which should be this, and it is, miraculous and wonderful, glorious thing that God has done. And he's turned to the heart of the king and he sends them back and he gives them what they need. And all should be right with the world. And it's not. And, it, um, and so God kind of chastises them for that. But he also as we're going to read, talks about his spirit, like giving them the spirit, stirring up their spirit, saying that his spirit is with them, even though the temple is in shambles right now. And so I think it's all, all of this is very pl- applicable to today, to right now even, because as you have, quote unquote, Israel, Judah, I should say more properly, back in the land, um, they're building businesses, They're building their own houses. They're tilling the land. But God's house is non-existent. In fact, it's even worse. You have a pagan temple sitting up there. I mean, so the same exact thing is happening. And I think it's going to take God, and I think he is, stirring their spirit. And, and, and we know also that not all the exiles went back all at once. It was, they went in shifts kind of. And even um, uh, uh, Esther and Mordecai, they, huh? Yeah, yeah, he was later on, went, went to the land, Ezra went to the land, and then I think came back even. And so it wasn't this clean cut thing, like even... Now, I think we tend to think the redemption of the exiles current day should be this clean thing where all of a sudden, you know, we hear this magical voice from heaven that says, all right, everybody, pack up your bags and go. 
well, I don't know that that's going to be the way it is. Maybe it will be. I hope so. Maybe the Atlantic's going to part and we're all going to trek across. I doubt it. Um, maybe we're all going to get on planes. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how it's all going to shake out. But I guess my point is, the return of the exiles after Babylon was very ho-hum. It was very mundane. It was like the king made a decree and he said, anybody who wants to go can go, but not a whole lot went. And they had to walk like 900 miles, 900 miles. I don't know how far that is. That'd be like, well, I don't know, probably going down to, Pennsylvania. no, I'd probably be going down to the Carolinas or something. Yeah, probably like walking to the Carolinas. Like how long is that going to take you with your whole family and all your belongings, you know? So it wasn't clean, it wasn't pretty, it wasn't miraculous, it wasn't filled with like Hollywood, Disney movie, you know, pixie dust and rainbows and sappy music in the background and all's right with the world. You know, this was reality. And I think it's reality now. You know, yes, you've got Judah back in the land, some of Judah, but not of all of them are back there, are in faith. Not of them are believers. Uh, they're, they're doing all of what that they're doing there, but they're not rebuilding the temple. They're not consecrating the land. They're not taking back the land. They're not building the kingdom, right? But that was the same thing that happened when they went back the first time. So God has to kind of get on them about that. And so, I, I don't know, as I read this, it, uh, it just resonated with, I don't know, what seems to be happening today. But hopefully, um, I ho- hope, hopefully this will be somewhat encouraging to us as well. So that we know that, okay, we've seen this before and God still works and his spirit, what I, what I want us to see somewhat is that his spirit is there with them. So let's pray real quick and then we're going we're gonna to read the whole uh, book and as we go through it, we'll talk about it. So Heavenly Father God, I do thank you for this wonderful Shabbat and this uh, time to be here, this time to read from your word, even though we are in the exile. Um, as for me, God, I, I can't wait to get out. I want to go. Um, I want to be in your land. And uh, I pray that you would hasten that day, whenever that may be, be it my lifetime or the next or the next or, you know, ne- further on generations. But uh, so just work and move in us. And in the meantime, help us just to occupy, do what we're supposed to do. Um, produce a return on your investment in us. So I thank you for all these things, Father. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. All right. So chapter one, verse one. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, came the word of Yehovah by Haggai, the prophet, unto Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Yosedech, the high priest saying, Thus speaketh Yehovah of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come. The time that Yehovah, the, I'm sorry, let me start that again. The time is not come. The time that Yehovah's house should be built. Isn't that interesting? The time is not come. Here they are, back in the land, and they're saying, Well, it's not time yet. You know, we're, we're waiting for something. You know, what are, they, what are they waiting for? You know, God said for them to go back. You know, isn't that the whole point? You know? <laughs> So, he says, the peop- uh, Thus speaketh Yehovah of hosts, saying, This people say the time has not come, the time that Yehovah's house should be built. Then came the word of Yehovah by Haggai the prophet, saying, It is time for you, O ye, to dwell... Uh, I'm sorry. Is it time for ye 
For you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house to lie in waste. So he's saying, you're saying it's not time. But I'm saying, so is it time for you to sit in your houses while my house lies in waste? Now, therefore, thus saith Yahweh, consider your ways. Notice, uh, kind of keep that little phrase there in, in, your, in your mind because um, we're going to see it again. Uh, yeah, in verse, uh, verse 6. Anyway, let's keep going. Now, therefore, saith Yahweh, consider your ways. You've sown much, and you bring in little. Ye eat, but you have not enough. Ye drink, and ye are not filled with drink. Ye, ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith Yahweh of hosts, consider your ways. So he says it twice. So he's still, there they are, they're back in the land. And they say, well, it's not time yet to build the, the house of God. But he's saying, so is it time for you to sit in your sealed houses and this house to lie in waste? You've sown, you've, you're eating, you're building, you're drinking, uh, you've got clothes, you're earning wages. But it's... It's not producing fruit. It's not really profiting. They're not flourishing. There's a problem. And I want to submit that when they've got the cart before the horse, and we do the only, we do, we're doing the same thing now, current day, with Judah in the land, us still in the exile. We do the same thing in our lives where we do not build the dwelling place of Yehovah within our lives or physically on the earth. And because of that, the gravitational pull of everything that's supposed to work and the physics of our lives is thrown off into chaos. The way I picture it in my head is I see like the sun. It's almost like you got the sun in the center of the universe in that current model. Go with me here. <laughs> and you, if that, if the nucleus is thrown off, right, or is not even there, Everything else is going to be chaos. It's not going to be doing away. So if you're trying to build the outside without the center being where what it should be, everything's just going to be winging around all over the place. So they're building their houses. They're drinking their drink. They're planting their fields. They're putting clothes. They're earning wages, but they're poor. They're not warm. They don't have enough food. Everything's in disarray. It's because things are out of order. There's a structure to how things are supposed to function in this world. And the house was supposed to be built and they didn't do that. And they focused on themselves first. And so because of that, they're not flourishing. And we do the same thing in our own lives. We don't put God first in our lives. And so then what we try to build on top of that half-heartedly is faltering. And the same thing happens here. And the same thing's happening now over in Israel. And they're relying on America, uh, you know, for things. So, consider your ways, God says. Eight, go up to the mountain, bring wood, build the house, and I will take pleasure in it. And I will be glorified, saith Yehovah. So, that's the other thing I want us to see here, is it's a miraculous thing that God did. He, he, he brought them out of the exile. He changed the heart of the king that was the ruler, the power of the world at that point. And he changed his heart to set things in motion. But they still individually had to do and take action in their own lives to overcome their own internal struggles and weaknesses and problems 
to still do what they were supposed to do in their own lives. They still had to, they couldn't just wait and be like, God's going to do it all, hallelujah. No, they, yes, he's going to give them the opportunity and what they need and everything in place, but they still had to go to the mountain, get wood, come back and build the house. They had to take physical action in their own lives. And he would take pleasure in it and will be glorified. Nine, ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, it did blow, I did blow upon it. Why, saith Yahweh of hosts? Because mine house that is in waste, because of mine house that is, is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. So they're trying to do all this, and it's coming to nothing, and he blows on it. Why? Because his house is in waste. Therefore the heavens, therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and the oil, and that which upon the ground bringeth forth fruit, upon men, and the cattle, and upon all the labor of your hands. So not only are things just by nature not working out right, but you got God putting a famine on them on top of it all. Because, again, he's provided a return of the exiles. He's provided this redemption in their lives, but they're not fulfilling the, their obligation, their part of the deal, what they're supposed to be doing. And so, you know, it's kind of depressing on one side of the coin, but on the other side of the coin, it's kind of encouraging to me because it's like, okay, I kind of feel like the same thing's happening all over again right now in 2019. And God knows that. But what we're going to, as we continue on here, is he's going to, I don't know, it always blows my mind. He's going to uh, stir up their spirits. Well, why didn't he stir up their spirits sooner? You know, if it takes God having to change their spirit, then isn't it God's fault that things didn't happen? You know, that's part of what happened. It's like, well, is it, is it me supposed to bootstrap myself and go up to the mountain, and bring the wood down and start doing this? Or, or, is, or is it really me having to wait till I get struck with some lightning bolt of God's spiritual, spiritual motivation to go and do this? You know, which is it, God? But I think it's somehow both. And somehow he has timing in all of this where these two things have to coalesce. Like he has to bring them to the end of themselves because it's like, okay, you're back in the land now. Everything should be peaches and cream and rosebuds and milk and honey. And it's drought, it's famine, you're not enough wages, uh, you know, all the, everything's still wrong. And so he's having to tell them, all right, wake up, look, up, look at yourself, consider your ways, and now I will give you my spirit, you know, stir your spirit within you. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thing that I don't really know how to wrap my head around, except that as far as what I'm supposed to do, we have our obligations that we are to fulfill on our part and God is faithful to do his end of the deal. So, where are we here? Uh, Twelve. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, and Joshua, the son of Yosedech, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of Yehovah their God, in the words of Haggai the prophet, as Yehovah their God had sent him. And the people did fear before Yehovah. Then spake Haggai, Yehovah's messenger, in uh, in Yehovah's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith Yehovah. And Yehovah stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Yosedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of Yehovah their host, their God. 
in the fourth and twentieth day of the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. So, like I was just saying, he's got to send this prophet because they go back. You know, it just blows my mind. He's like, he's got to send the prophets. Like he's brought you back out of Babylon. Like that should be the biggest blinking billboard that you know God is working and I am going to do what should be done. And yet, they don't. There's still people. They're still a mess. They get things out of order. They work for themselves first. And God has to send a prophet among them to stir them up. And he stirs up their spirits so that they can do what's right. It's crazy. But it's not crazy. Because people are always people and always will be people from beginning to end. And we should not be surprised at that. (laughs) So God stirs up their spirit. Chapter 2. I just want to look at my notes here. Make sure. Yeah, okay. I never look at mine. I don't know. It's part of my problem. I never. I write down notes and then I don't look at them. <laughs> Chapter 2. In the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came Yehovah, came the word of Yehovah by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Yosedek, a high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, interesting how it says the residue and then the remnant before. I wonder. I did not look up. That'd be interesting to see if, there's, if that's like a different word in Hebrew. Or, anyway, let's keep going. Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison as it, uh, of it as nothing? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith Yehovah. And be strong, O Joshua, son of Yosedek, the high priest. And be strong, all ye people of the land, saith Yehovah. And work, for I am with you, saith Yehovah. Of hosts, and I love this verse. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Fear ye not. I love that. So he's 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 saying, you can do this. Be strong. Build this house. I'm with you, just as my covenant, as my word that I covenanted with you when I came out of Egypt. So my spirit remaineth among you. Fear ye not. And, and what's so beautiful about that is, you know, how does that, how does that work? Like, how do we wrap our, our, our minds around that? What does that mean, his spirit remains among us? Well, I think it's just like it is today. He's in and amongst and in the heart of every believer, and collectively, when they're together, his spirit is among them. And so, it's not just sitting in that physical house, that physical building above the Ark of the Covenant when that building is there. He dwells in and amongst his people. I just think it's awesome. So, you know, even when we're scattered abroad and, and then when we're back in the land, and even if there is no house, his spirit will be among us, giving us power to do what we need to do. Six, for thus saith Yahweh of hosts, Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith Yehovah of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith Yehovah of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, saith Yehovah of hosts, and in this place will I give peace, saith Yehovah of hosts. So that's a very prophetic little section right there, because we know that didn't ultimately come to fruition with that house, uh, but it will with the final one that will be built eventually. 10. In the fourth and twentieth day of the ninth 
month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of Yehovah by Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus saith Yehovah of hosts, Ask now the priests concerning the law, saying, Ooh, I like this part. If one bear holy flesh in the skirt of his garment, and with his skirt do touch bread, or pottage, or wine, or oil, or any meat, shall it be holy? And the priests answered and said, No. Then said Haggai, If one that is unclean by a dead person touches any of these, shall it be unclean? And the priests answered and said, It shall be unclean. Then answered Haggai and said, So is this people, and so is this nation before me, saith Yahweh of hosts, and so is every work of their hands, and that which they offer there is unclean. Now I pray you, consider from this day and upward, from before a stone is laid upon a stone in the temple of Yehovah. Since those days, when one came to an heap of twenty measures, and there were but ten, then one came uh, to the press for it to draw out fifty vessels out of the press, but there was but twenty. I smote you with blasting, with mildew, and with hail, and the labor of your hands. Yet you turn not to me, saith Yehovah. Consider now from this day upward, and from the fourth and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day the foundation of Yehovah's temple was laid. Consider it. And there's our consider again. Is the seed yet in the barn? Yea, as yet the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree have not brought forth, uh, have not brought forth. From this day will I bless you. So he's. He's, he's making this uh, analogy, saying, so the priests, if, if they're holy and they're clean and they, they touch something, does, it, does that holiness impart unto that object or that cleanliness? And they say, well, no, that's not how it works. But if they are holy and clean and they touch like a dead body, that uncleanness, does it make them unclean? Yes, it makes them unclean. And so he's saying, so are the people unclean because they have been in contact with unclean things. And it's not so much like they were in, con in contact with unclean things, although they were, and there's processes to deal with that. It's that their actions were not, were not uh, producing righteousness. They were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. So just because um, God's talking to them or they're the chosen people doesn't automatically make them clean. They have to do what's right so that they can be clean. And because of their contact with and their uh, lack of doing what they're supposed to, they're reaping the consequences of, of that, i.e. not building the house. They were doing their own thing. They were building their own lives. And so we do. You know, we build our own lives and we build our own things and we do our own stuff and we reap the consequences of that and we get contaminated by that um, instead of building you know, God's kingdom in our own, through and in our own life, which that process then cleanses and purifies us. Um, so it's an interesting concept that he was using that and that he's talking to the priests in that situation because they're the ones who are supposed to be spearheading this operation. And they're the ones who are supposed to be teaching and instructing and guiding the people and they weren't doing that. And so he's, you know, he's talking to Zerubbabel, the governor, and he's talking to the Joshua the high priest, and he's saying, look, guys, come on, get your act together. 20. And the, again, the word of Yehovah came unto Haggai in the fourth and twentieth day of the month, saying, <clears throat> Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake the heavens and the earth, and I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms, and I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the heaven, and I will overthrow the chariots and those that ride in them. And the horses and their riders shall come down, every one by the sword of his brother. In that day, saith Yahweh of hosts, I will take thee, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Sheltiel, saith Yahweh, and I will make thee as a signet, for I have chosen thee, saith Yahweh of 
hosts. So, speaking to Zerubbabel and what he's going to do with him, and also, I, I believe it's a prophetic thing in that Zerubbabel being a likeness of what Yeshua will be in the return when he rules and reigns in the earth, and that he will rule over all nations and will uh, have the dominion over them. And so, that's it. Two chapters, pretty short, pretty sweet. Hang on. And uh, so I guess if I want to, always going to sum it all up, you know, it's all really about our priorities and our day-to-day personal actions that we take. Even though, you know, we can't wait around thinking that, well, someday, you know, God's going to do this miraculous work and then I'll get my act together and do what I'm supposed to do. No, even it, because we are shown by example, even when God does do miraculous things, it's not the fireworks that we tend to get, have been trained to think and see it's going to be on movies. It's, it's just a simple action. The king says, all right, guys, you can go back and I'll give you stuff to go back. And so only some of them do, but they don't do what they're supposed to when they get there. So we have to take proper action in our own life because God has already redeemed us out of our own Egypt of our hearts and our lives to where we can start building his kingdom in our own lives. And so we have to do the same thing and we have to consider our ways. And then when we do that and God stirs our spirit, then we can start to do what's right. So, you know, I don't know, is God stirring your spirit now or not? Maybe he should. Either way, he sends his prophets and says, consider your ways. What are you doing? You know, you're unclean. You're contaminated by the things around you because you've allowed them to get close to you and they're stuck on you like uh, burrs that get stuck to the horse's legs when they go into the fields and they come out of them and, and you think that you cleaned them all up, yet they go find them somehow anyway. And they're just stuck and they're hard to get off. But the other way around Cleanliness just doesn't get imparted to you. You know, you have to take physical action to build the house of God. And it's the same thing in our lives, and it's the same thing over in Egypt, Egypt, (laughs) over in Israel right now. You know, yes, Judah is back there, not all of them, some of them, most of them in unbelief, but there are believers there. And there needs to be more believers there taking action to take steps to rebuild God's kingdom. So, yes. No, go ahead. Take, try to make it concise and I'll repeat it. Okay. So, so it's recorded. Yep.
shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord, even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule upon his throne, and he shall sit as a priest upon his throne, and his house of peace shall be in them. That's, I think, the offices of the priests and kings. But my question. Yeah. Um, okay, so the question slash statement is, uh, is Yeshua going to be the one that rebuilds the temple when he comes? Basically, based on Zechariah 6, 6, 12, and Haggai 2, 6 and 7. Um, it's a good question. I don't really know, to be perfectly honest, because I think, I think, I do think yes, because I don't, uh, there's so many layers to it. I don't know 100%. I believe, yes, the final temple, whatever that means, will be built by Yeshua. But I also do believe that the, there, there is the physical building, but there's also, you know, the people are also his temple as well. So he builds the house, which is also his people. But I do think, yeah, you're right. How? Right. Yep. What, I mean, it's what it's, it's what it on, on, on just a basic reading. That's what it definitely seems like. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think that... I agree. I do not believe, personally, what's going on in Israel now with, like, the Temple Institute is is what we read about scripturally as, like, the final temple that Yeshua will be sitting and ruling in, um, personally. Because... That's what they're thinking, yeah. And so... I mean, could I be wrong? Absolutely. And could Yeshua maybe use that? Absolutely. I don't know. But, yeah, they, you read Zechariah, and it definitely seems to imply that it's definitely something that Yeshua is going to be directly involved in. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm excited and one level that this is happening. Yeah. Because it seems like when Yeshua came the first time, the people, if something was going on to be expected. Right. And that's, and that's kind of my whole point is that, you know, we can't be people that go to, 
either extreme, I guess, if that makes sense. We can't just sit here and be like, well, I'm just going to, you know, live and die here twiddling my thumbs waiting for, you know, God to send lightning bolts out of the sky and do everything. And I'm just going to keep, you know, as they were, you know, building their house was while they let, you know, God's house physically and figuratively, I guess, remain in, in a disaster. And so same thing in our own lives. Like we can't just, you know, do what we're doing and let God's house in our own lives and then even on somehow to sort of physical level, whatever that means, I guess it's a, a mindset that we need to have, you know. I said, well, I guess what I'm, I'm, I'm getting at, you know, we can't be complacent because, because like you said, there was a, and I think there is now, at the time of Yeshua's first coming, there was a, they were expecting him to come. It was like they were, they were, it seemed like it was right for him to come, and he did. They'd be, and they knew that all the signs and the times and things, as I think we're starting to see these same things going on now. Um, yeah, I don't know how it has to, how, you know. know it, and it, yeah. Getting on it, yeah. And they don't. Yeah. And it almost seems like God has to show them how pathetic they are and that they can't get out of their own way. So he has to stir their spirit before that temple is going to get going. And I wonder if it's the same with us because, I mean, speaking for myself, I'm pathetic. You know, I should be excited, and I am, don't get me wrong, but it just seems like the engine's almost ready to start, but it never really gets started. I want to think there's a connection that Yeshua is coming back and going to rebuild the temple and his people are going to be a part of it but yet they're, we're just like they were in Haggai's time and, and God is going to have to prepare the body of people and the timing has to be correct and connected I, I don't right. know where I'm going with that yeah, yeah. Just some no I mean well and that's kind of what I was saying because it, it seems like on one level well, if it was going to take God stirring their spirits, then then they couldn't really do it before that, right? Almost. So. But it's the same with us, right? I mean, yeah. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we know all this stuff in our head. Right. But. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When it, well, and I feel the same way too. It's like I preach this this great, incredible message, but now where what do I go and do with that? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And that's where and that's where I'm not saying I guess when I uh, like I said, it I think we just have to at least start the cogs of our mind rotating to start to see these things out of the scripture and to apply them to our own lives so that at least we're thinking about it. What to do with it yet? I don't really know. But I, I think it is. I think this. I think part of this spiritual stirring is what's going on with the quote-unquote messianic movement. Though I don't think that's the be-all, end-all. But it is. It's more this injection of his spirit, his word, the Torah, back into our lives. That now the material's there that I can work with it. Type of thing. Um, I don't think that's it exactly, but what that exactly means either. 
many things that I think our, our pre-eschatological thinking is still kind of somewhat in the way, and God has taken the haze away yeah. so that we can fall in line with what you're saying in your message. Yeah, yeah. Mm. then that's your demarcation. So that is going to take place, right? Where this aligns with the more detail that we see in Revelations of how exactly the heaven and earth are going to shape right. and right. do what they're going to do to, um, you know, in a sense, destroy and judge. It's interesting, and I'll go into it afterwards, but as heaven, when you look at heaven and earth as a witness, right? Right. Right. Executable, so to speak. Right. For example, if I call you out on um, something, I'm going to throw the first stone. Right, right, right. And it's supposed to be two, or wit- two, two to three witnesses to prove right. that you were worthy of, of, of that judgment. Right. And heaven and earth were called Those, to yeah. be that judgment. And in the end, who were going to deliver that judgment? Heaven and earth. Heaven Interesting. And earth. Earth, is, earth yeah. is going to quake, and heaven is going to deliver hailstorms. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's pretty cool. So then when you align that and bridge that to what he pointed out from Zachariah, so that's going to take place. And then what's left, which will be the remnant, I I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that there's going to be some sort of protecting as that takes place or through that somehow. I don't know that. Well, and what I find interesting, too, is like this is all talking to God's people, to Israel, right? It's not so much, it's not really, because the, the heaven and the earth witness was when, the, you know, Moses and Deuteronomy talking to the children of Israel. It's not even really the world, you know. Right. It's interesting. Did you have something? No. Yeah, not to be yeah, yeah, no, no. I'll probably cut this off before all yeah, the questions. Yeah, yeah. I'm not with any of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. Within the last year, these are questions I've had. About right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think as 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 time goes on, and as you know, we have these um, lessons, and then we have prophetic insights through revelation. You know, some of the haze is lifting. You know, we're we're there's a lot obviously more clarity than you know, even they had. Um, so, yeah, it's just interesting to me. So anyway, I mean, I guess, yeah, my, I just thought it was, I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to cut it off at the end. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I... Because of Rabbi Kine, you know, I've, I've watched him.
for now. Well, you know, I can't, I can't use this on you. You know, I'm here to get what I can from the rest of you go. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It's like we, you know, if that temple they want to build gets built, you know, they're not letting us in it. No. I mean, we're not their friends. Right. Well, and, and it, I wonder if that, that if they do build something, if that's what is going to be used by Antichrist in 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 all of that, which we read about in Revelation, and you know, God maybe allowing all of that to take place to flesh all of that out, really. So, which you know. What better way to deceive masses and masses and masses of people? I mean, who's the only ones that are going to maybe question of it? Weirdos like us. You know, everybody else is going to think it's hunky-dory. Well, and, you know, the idea that Yeshua is going to use people that hate him, Rabbi Kind is not a friend of Jesus. No. At all. But he's always used people that hate him, right? I mean, but the temple, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right, right. We're talking about unclean and clean and all that. But he, at the same, yeah, but he also allows, I mean, when he returned to the first, when he came the first time, I mean, it was, it was a corrupt mess. And he destroyed it. And he destroyed it. And he used it. And he used them. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, the crazy thing of it all is he works and uses through it all, you know. It's like those plot twist movies that you're like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. So, anyway, all right, well, well let's, let's pray and then we'll close. Heavenly Father, God, I do thank you for this day and for your word. Uh, and just, uh, I ask that you would stir up your spirit in us and motivate us to uh, cleanse our lives, to cleanse our thoughts and our minds and our hearts, and that you would work your word, your spirit in and through us, the same word you covenanted with uh, your people, our, with our people uh, back at, at uh, Mount Sinai, and that you would dwell in and amongst us, motivate us to be and to do whatever it is that we should, and that you would somehow bring that clarity and uh, continue to form us and to shape us and to move us and lead us as you would have us to do and be. Um, though that's always not always perfectly clear, but that we would just have a mindset and a frame of mind and that we would as you said, occupy, uh, produce fruits of righteousness in our own lives that then you can use as you see fit and that, you know, we would realize that we don't have all, we're not the builders or the master builder. You are and you use all these individual little parts and we can't see everything apart from our own little niche. And, uh, but you do. And so I just pray that we would all fulfill our role as we should and uh, that you would come quickly. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. Hey, mighty warriors around.